I did it without an album All the ones getting still care about mixtape If you want to know about, you know, what I was going through Or what I had gone through during this particular period in my life You know, listen to the album It's like I'm working on an album and a mixtape at the same Welcome to the album and the mixtape, your place to celebrate the importance of sharing our experiences through hip-hop and music, therefore, storytelling through bars. I'm your host, Julie M., mathematician, chemist, lawyer, daughter, friend, sister, mentor, mentee, hip-hop storyteller, ballet dancer, and most importantly, Jesus-loving kind of gal. This podcast aims to do two different things. One, create a space where people can share their experience through bars. And two, encourage the creation of your mixtape and life. And you can do that while you're working at your album. So before we get into that, let me define the album and the mixtape for you. An album, as you know, as a music artist, it's kind of like your contractual obligation, right? You got to produce X amount of albums. You got to do Y amount of shows. You get Z amount of royalties. It's your contractual obligation to the label. But see, your mixtape, well, that's just something that you're doing out of pure passion, something that is your pure soul, your music, your lyrics, your words, something you're putting on that piff. You're not doing it to generate any income. You're just doing it to share. To that end, the album to me is your nine to five job. It's what you have to do. It's your contractual obligation to pay the bills, to sustain yourself and your family. But see your mixtape, well, that's your legacy. What would you be giving to this world for free? If we lived in a society where everyone got paid the same amount of money, What would be your mixtape? God spoke to me very, very clearly. I mean, he's been speaking to me a couple of years about being very diligent about using hip-hop to storytell. It didn't really make sense to me. You know, my album is law. You know, I went to school to become a lawyer. I was trying to do the right thing to make sure I could take care of my family and sustain them. But there was something nagging at me, something else around hip-hop, around music, and its impact in sharing our successes and our struggles and showing how we're more similar than we are different. The album and the mixtape. So today's episode is about someone who has completely encouraged and inspired me. He was more than just a rapper, an actor, a dancer, background for Digital Underground. Um, he was he was an activist. He was a poet. Um, He was a fighter, a survivor, Um, and today's episode is an ode to Pac. Um, You know, Tupac, I know a lot of people say, you know, Pac was way ahead of his time. You know, he just, he was on something completely different. Um, You know, I don't even think that does it justice. Tupac was someone who was reared by a woman um, during the times of the Black Panther and fighting for equal rights in communities of color. He was exposed to many different things that craft and shaped the way that he thought about life, about people, and really about community. Pac was very, very impactful to me. His words gave me encouragement, they gave me hope, and they gave me something to look in. So today we're going to talk about three things uh, from Pac. I want to talk about keep your head up. We'll talk about on Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. He has a song called Mortal Man. And in Mortal Man, at the very end, he has a conversation with Pac. And we'll talk about the rose that grew from concrete. 
Keep Your Head Up was a very heavy song by Pac. Here he's pretty much foreshadowing the future of black America. In the very beginning, Pac says, they say the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. And here Pac is celebrating the beauty of black, blackness, right? He's celebrating the beauty of being black and understanding and loving who you are and understanding your roots. The part that I really want to focus on with this song is the respect for the black woman. I saw something on social media a couple of days ago that kind of startled me a bit. And they were from two people that I know, two black men that I know. And one post, one of my Facebook friends was condoning a misogynistic word or phrase that was being used by someone on his page. The second person completely dragged somebody that we all went to college with. Um, She has something going on right now in her personal life, and he completely dragged her on Facebook. And then just kind of looking in the past, you know, couple, let's say the last six months, right? We've seen Janet Jackson be dragged all over social media for divorcing her husband. She's being called a gold digger. We've seen Serena Williams. People have been disrespecting her, even though that is her husband, y'all. But the fact that she couldn't wait on a black man. Now, let's be absolutely clear. I love black men. I support black men. I encourage black men. I motivate black men. I will always be there to support the black man. And I have a lot of brothers in my life that are incredibly supportive of me and who I am and sisters in general. However, as of late, I feel like there has been this shift in the lack of respect that women do receive from black women receive from black men. And Tupac... (laughs) Tupac hit the nail on the head a very almost almost 20 years ago. He hit the nail on the head about this. He said, and since we all came from a woman, got our name from a woman and our game from a woman. I wonder why we take from our woman, why we rape our women. Do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women, time to heal our women, be real to our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that will hate the ladies that make the babies. So this part right here is incredibly hard. Now, let's be clear. Disclaimer. I do not condone. I think it's time to kill for our women. I don't condone any type of killing. I do need to say that. Um, But I think Tupac is referring to Malcolm X's, uh, one of his most popular speeches when he says the most disrespected person in America is the black woman, the most unprotected person in America is the black woman, the most neglected person in America is the black woman. And here Pac is basically channeling that part, right? It's time to heal our women, be real to our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that will hate the ladies that make the babies. You know, when I saw the social media post, I was taken aback because a part of me was like, Well, I know you don't talk to your wife like this or your child like this, like say your daughter like this, your mother like this, but it's okay for us to classify some women as this or it's okay for us to tear down black sisters, but we would never do that to our mother or our wife or our girlfriend or our daughter, right? So, you know, and I want to be absolutely clear. I am not trying to beat up on brothers. That's not what I'm here to do. 
I just think that there's a lot of healing that needs to occur. You know, when I look at the history of black people on this globe, black people in Africa, right? Africans in Africa. Before colonialism, there used to be this woman that was revered in villages throughout Africa, right? They were called the Queen Mothers. Men and women alike came to these, like men would literally come to the Queen Mothers and say, we're going to go hunt for this, this and that. They would come back with game and the Queen Mothers would have to say, yes, this is fitting or no, it's not fitting. So basically women ran villages in Africa, but this was prior to colonialism. When colonialism happened, the Europeans came straight to the men and assumed that the men were in charge, even though the queen mothers were in charge. So I think from that very onset, that's where we see the breakdown of the power and the respect and the reverence for the black woman. Tupac understood that many years ago and put it in his music as a source of instruction, direction to our brothers and to our sisters. You know, one thing that's very interesting about that video, I don't know if you guys remember the video. I think I feel like everybody remembers the the um, keep your head up video. But in the video, Tupac is riding in his car with his boys and Jada Pinkett is walking on the street. All his boys are like catcalling and they're like, hey, girl, hey, girl. And she tries to ignore them, but Tupac actually calms them down and says, hey, no, guys, y'all need to stop. And they stop. The one thing that's very important about that scene is me as a black woman, I can't go to a black man and say, you're disrespecting me. You're doing this um, because it'll, for the most part, at times it's taken with great offense. Maybe I'm not heard. But I'm calling on our brothers to be to step up. And when you see this, to say something, right? At the very end of this verse, Pac says, so will the real men get up? I know you fed up, ladies, but keep your head up. So in that video, Pac was the person who said, guys, don't do that, right? Catcalling is a whole nother conversation. A friend of mine from law school was just talking about this a couple of days ago. He didn't realize that women get catcalled the way that they do. You know, one of my real good friends in San Francisco, I remember me and him went out along with my mentee. My mentee's a young woman. Now, my male friend in San Francisco, he's a gay male. So he's like, gay men do not call one another. So we were on the street in Oakland heading to a club or leaving a club I can't remember but a man literally cat called and was talking to me and my mentee and we literally had to stop what we were doing to listen to say oh you know thank you for the compliment we appreciate it but you know I got a boyfriend you know I got a man you know and then you know what do they say well you know can you have a friend and, and then you got to say no like my line my line is always now if if you were my man I wouldn't have no friends, right? So that's the way that I get out of it. But the the issue, the reason why we have to do that is because men are out here killing women because they're being rejected or calling them all kinds of Bs and Hs because they're feeling that rejection. And my gay male friend, he was completely blown. He said, I can't believe that you guys have a whole process on how you handle men in public. And I said, we have to, right, for fear of our lives and our safety we have to handle men with grace and with ease and respect when we're trying to turn them down so the the main reason I really wanted to bring up keep your head up is because I feel like we're living in those days now you know I feel like we're in a space of 
really making sure that we're respecting one another and, and not just black men, black women, but all people alike, but particularly the black community is having a lot of issues um, within its own community. And I think the only way that the black community comes to a resolution within itself is to really have hard, in-depth, introspective conversations about healing because I think that's where a lot of the source of this pain really comes from. You know, I, I've i never been the kind of person that's like, oh, that person's just mean or, oh, that person has an attitude problem. I always think that person is hurting. Something's going on with them that's allowing them to project this feeling or to project this experience or to project this pain. So I think there's a lot of pain, right? There's a lot of, even within the black community, there's a lot of ancestral trauma in the black community. A couple of months ago, I guess in December now, me and seven of my girlfriends went to Marfa, Texas, right? So Marfa, Texas, if you're from Texas, you know, if you're not, you don't. So I'll tell you right now. But Marfa is like the desert. It's beautiful, though. There's a lot of beautiful scenery. But I pulled my friends out of Houston, Texas and and Dallas, Texas to say, okay, let's get quiet. Let's get still. Um, Let's go to a place where we can just be one with nature. We can see the stars clearly. We can sleep in teepees and have conversations. We had a lot of conversations around lyrics. Keep Your Head Up was actually included. We had a lot of conversations around poetry. There's this amazing book of poetry by an artist called Kibala. It's called Preparing Our Daughters for Rain. And it basically talks about how you prepare the next generation of women for rain through the body, the soul, the mind, and through love. And it recognizes um, the ancestral trauma that we carry as black women. And that is something that me and my friends were able to really discuss and dive into in depth. And I think uh, I think all of them basically said, they said, wow, you know, this was incredibly heavy. You know, normally when you go on trips with friends, it can be like, oh, we're going to Vegas to turn up and have a good time. But for me, you know, I wanted to create an environment for my friends where they could really be introspective where they could really think about their blemishes right and 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 their their blemishes to their stems or the things that they've experienced in shaping who they are to figure out how do I heal how do I deal with the things that have happened in my past to move forward and not only to move forward and heal myself but then to then heal my sisters and then my future children or the generations that come after us So I think Keep Your Head Up addresses, right? It foreshadows where we are in black America. And, you know, I am calling on my brothers to step up and be those allies to tell your fellow brothers, you know, how do we respect our women more, right? How do we uh, create safe spaces um, within our communities as the state of black America is already going through so much already? on Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly album. Let's just say I just absolutely love Kendrick Lamar. Um, You know, it's hard for me. That's like, I don't want to call him Pac, but he's almost there. I mean, Kendrick is really, 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 really something special um, and is really honoring his experiences and his messages over himself um, and is not trying to create something for likability, 
but is being authentic and true to himself. And that alone becomes likable, right? So on this album, we're going to talk about Mortal Man. Mortal Man is the very last song on the album. And Kendrick is basically talking about, you know, everybody's looking at me. I'm just a, I'm just a mortal man. I'm, I'm not immortal. I'm mortal. So at some time, you know, I, I, my life comes to an end, right? So he's saying, he's talking about like, you're Malcolm X, you're Martin Luther King, all these people, you're Nelson Mandela, people that have been looked up to and glorified as the leaders, the peacemakers, the civil rights leaders, the, the change makers. And he's, in an essence, like comparing himself to that. Like, can I be that for my neighborhood? Can I be that for where I come from? At the very end, he has this conversation with Pac, which is absolutely amazing. And I want to talk about the two points of that conversation. The first point is about the hustle. And it leads me into this whole lifestyle piece on the album and the mixtape. So Kendrick asks Pac, He said, all right, so let me ask you this then. Do you see yourself as somebody that's rich or somebody that's made the best of their own opportunities? Then Tupac says, I see myself as a natural born hustler, a true hustler in every sense of the word. I took nothing. I took the opportunities. I worked at the the most menial and degrading job and built myself up so I can get it to where I owned it. Uh, I went from having somebody manage me to me hiring the person that works my management company. I changed everything. I realized my destiny in a matter of five years, you know what I'm saying, and made myself a millionaire. So I want to talk about coming from, you know, the whole notion of Sometimes, you know, me and me and my little sister, Felicia, we always had this quote growing up. You know, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do to get to where you want to be. And that's what I get from Pac's response here. Pac is saying he's done, you know, the, the most menial jobs. He's done the most degrading things so that he could build himself up. And when I look at this, I see a piece of my story and my journey. You know, I, you know, it's so interesting. People... You know, everybody looks at social media and they're like, oh, social media is life. Really, it's not. But what a lot of people didn't know about me, and I just recently started sharing it, is that when I came to D.C., I came to intern for First Lady Michelle Obama, who's absolutely fabulous, and to intern for Jocelyn Fry, who was my mentor and was my first boss in the First Lady's Policy Shop. Um, I had an amazing experience. I thought I would just be there for six months, but then opportunities presented themselves and I stayed. However, I had a whole litany of things happen. My dad passed away a couple months later while I was on a trip for the First Lady of the United States. Um, I failed the bar exam, right? Um, All of these things happened. I didn't have a place to live. Someone was letting me stay in their home. And then... I finally got a job at the White House as a staff paid position. Oh, sorry, as a staff position, but it was unpaid. So there was this time in my life where I was restudying for the bar and, um, you know, and I was commuting three hours a day on a bus, you know. Um, and after I took the bar exam, I said, well, girl, you got to go make you some money somewhere. So I worked at a hotel. You know, I was the person who would hand you candy or I would hand you your towel for you to wipe your hands. And this is after I then finally passed the bar exam. You know, so when I see Pac say I worked at the most menial job and I don't want to call this job menial at all. It was a wonderful hotel. I had a great 
uh, team and a great group of people, but I wasn't in the field that I had went to school for, quote unquote, my album, right? I wasn't doing my album work. But who knows, right? Through God, I could have been doing my mixtape work by virtue of the people I was meeting, by virtue of the people I was touching and the people that were touching me, right? So I think it's one thing for us to always, you know, I'm incredibly grateful because after that, like, year and a half of struggle, almost two years of struggle, you know, God really pulled me out from there. But I appreciated the moments and the experiences while I was there. You know, I think sometimes it's hard for us to see that, right? We're like, well, why am I doing this? And I went to school to do dun, 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 and, you know, whatever the case may be. But sometimes we just don't appreciate the space that we're in and do the most that we can with the information we have in that moment of time. You know, I think we're always looking to do the future thing. This whole notion of the album and the mixtape for me is incredibly heavy because my whole life has been about escaping poverty And I never really realized it until I was on a podcast a couple of months ago. And um, the podcast is called She's Got Drive. Shout out to Shirley McAlpine. And Shirley was asking me, she said, so when did you feel success? You know, she was like, when Michelle Obama shook your hand or when the president told you good job or, you know, when was that moment? She thought it was going to be this grand big moment. And... I was like, no, actually, when I moved my mom out the hood, when that happened, that's when I felt successful. And I realized that everything I had done, all my quote unquote ambitious things that I had ever done was to make sure that my family was secure. So in Pac's response here, he's like, I see myself as a natural born hustler. So with that, take every opportunity that you have even if it's not in the plan, right? But take it as an opportunity to figure out, okay, Lord, why am I here in this space and in this time and in this moment? What's the lesson? What's the blessing? What am I supposed to get from this? And what am I supposed to give to this? And the second question, Kendrick Lamar X Pac, and through your different avenues of success, how do you manage to keep a level of sanity? And Pac says by my faith in God, by my faith in the game, and by my faith in all all good things come to those that stay true. You know, I think this is super heavy for me, um, and I think I think a lot of people can relate to this. You know, whatever your faith is, whoever you believe in, you know, I think that, you know, to an extent, we all believe in, I'm a firm believer in, you may, you will always reap what you sow. You may not reap where you sowed, but you will always reap what you sowed. And, you know, Pac even compares himself to Job. He says, you know, Job was one of God's children who went through all of these things, lost all of these family members, lost all of his wealth, all of his land, everything he owned time and time again. And Job continued to stay faithful to God and God eventually honored him. And Pac compares his life to Job saying, I kept my faith in God and I've been through so much that my feet are incredibly planted. Think about how you're keeping your feet incredibly planted. You know, what are you doing to make sure that your mind, body, and spirit are grounded? You know, Auntie Ayala says, you know, my cup overflows. What's in the cup is for me. What comes out of the cup is for you, but I've got to keep my cup full. So think about what you're doing to keep yourself sane Think about what you're doing to make sure that you're staying incredibly planted so that no matter what wind, storm, hurricane, 
earthquake comes, you're incredibly rooted. See, you wouldn't ask why the rose that grew from the concrete had damaged petals. On the contrary, we would all celebrate its tenacity. We would all love its will to reach the sun. Well, we are the roses. This is the concrete. These are my damaged petals. Don't ask me why. Ask me how. When I look at this poem, you know, I think it spoke to who Tupac is or was, and I think it speaks to a lot of people across the country, across the world. I think all of us come from different circumstances, and at times, um, you know, we think that it can maybe put a blemish on who we are, a blemish on our purpose, and not allow us to completely, fully express who we are. The part where Tupac says, you see, you wouldn't ask why the rose that grew from concrete had damaged petals. So Pac is talking about coming from unfertile soil. I think Jay-Z has a, a, a quote where he says, I planted my feet on unfertile land. And he's talking about being from Marcy Projects. He's talking about being from a housing community, a place where there are really not too many trees. There's not a lot of soil. You don't see a lot of flowers. It's a lot of brick buildings. So I can kind of compare it to Tupac here. And he's saying he's coming from unfertile soil, right? But notwithstanding, he blooms. So here, Pac is questioning, why would you ask why the rose has grew from concrete? Instead, you should be marveling. You should be ecstatic. You should be happy. You should be wondering how it happened and not questioning its damaged petals, if it's leaning to the left, if it's not as pristine as it could be. In the second stanza, Pac says, we would all celebrate its tenacity. We would all love its will to reach the sun. So looking at this rose that's coming from unfertile soil that's coming from the concrete, Pac is basically saying we should celebrate it. We should marvel at it. This makes me think of my mentee. My mentee, you know, love her to pieces. She she had been in a homeless shelter for many years, and um, she ended up graduating from high school at the top of her class. She was the valedictorian. I will say me and her co-mentor, we were a little concerned about her because all of a sudden her accomplishments became like local news, national news, even. She was on Good Morning America. So we were concerned about the press that she was going to be getting and how it would affect her. She had many offers from around the country for full scholarships. Um, but she is a prime example to me of someone who is that concrete rose, someone who came from unfertile soil, who had good people around her, but was still able to celebrate her tenacity and her will to look for a circumstance outside of her own. And the next stanza, Pac says, we are the roses. This is the concrete. And these are my damaged petals. So here Pac is owning it. This is who I am. This is where I come from. And yeah, these damaged petals, this is a part of me, right? He then says, don't ask me why. Thank God. Ask me how. So here Pac is basically saying, don't question why I've come from this, right? Ask me how I came from this. This makes me think about my unfertile background and my story. You know, I come from an immigrant 
home that was broken up by the immigration system. You know, I think many people told my mother and my father who was overseas what they thought me and my sister would amount to or not amount to rather. Um, We came up in a very, very rough environment, rough situation, but there was a lot of love in the home. But whenever I share my story or the things that I've been through, the things that I've seen or the things that we did not have, people are never like, well, why were you poor? Or why didn't you have this? Or why didn't you have access to that? For the most part, people want to know how, like, how did you make it notwithstanding all of the things that you and your family have been through? You know, I think at times we can be very judgmental about someone's appearance. You know, there's that old adage, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. And at times we can get very caught up in pedigree and, well, where'd you go to school and what do you do? And at times we don't focus on the person, their experiences, and how those experiences have shaped that person. There's beauty in having petals that are damaged. There's beauty in having a few blemishes and not being incredibly pristine. We've all got stuff. My message here is don't allow your circumstances, your struggles, your lack of soil or water or sunlight to frustrate your ability to bloom. Take pride and honor your experiences over yourself because they've shaped you into who you are. As we celebrate Pac's birthday on June 16th, It was really important for me to release this podcast on this date and to give an ode to Pac. I know that biopic is coming out today and I feel like it's going to be incredibly lit. So as we think about Pac, let's heed his words, listen to his lyrics, and find joy in sharing your experiences. I just want to leave you with a few words from Pac himself for you to think about and meditate on as you honor your experiences and share them with the world. Until next time. That's all I ever wanted to do, ask my mama. I wanted to go to college. I went to school all the way and was ready to go to college. The only thing that stopped me was money. The time we were back, all, my, all the kids in my school was writing applications to go to college. I didn't have no lights and no electricity. And that ain't my mama's fault. You know what I'm saying? So when I think back to that, I'm not thugging for me. I'm thugging for my family. I pay all the bills. You know what I'm saying? I, I feed my whole family, wrong or right, I do. I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. And that's our job, is to spark somebody else watching us. We, we might not be the ones, but let's not be selfish, and because we're not going to change the world, let's not talk about how we should change it. I don't know how to change it, but I know if I keep talking about how dirty it is out here, somebody's going to clean it up. I feel like I'm doing God's work. You know what I'm saying? Just because I don't have nothing to pass around for people to put money in the bucket don't mean I ain't doing God's work. I feel like I'm doing God's work. You know what I'm saying? Because these ghetto kids ain't God's children. And I don't see no missionaries coming through there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm doing God's work. While Reverend Jackson do his up in the middle class and he go to the White House and have dinner and pray over the president, I'm up in the hood, you know what I'm saying, doing my work with my fucks. And just because I don't live there don't mean I don't go there. I got to go there because I can't hang nowhere else. You know, I want people to be talking about me like, you know, look, remember when he was real bad? Remember when Tupac was real bad? You know what I mean? Everybody changes. Everybody becomes better people. You know, we all should get that chance. I just want my chance.